0: What have we learned about ourselves and about the church in this last year? You know, at the very front of this list has to be this. We, we don't really know. We don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, that's something that intellectually we, we've known all our lives, right? And we don't have any fortune tellers in here, right? But, but even though we understand that intellectually, sometimes we struggle with that emotionally, like I still feel like I've got a plan and I've got this thing laid out. You guys know that, that I'm, I'm a planner. But this last year has taught us. How many things have we seen that, that we would have never even comprehended seeing before? The other day I was thinking, if, you, if we went back to January of last year and you had told me there was, a, there was going to be a singular congregation of God's people who would, who would say, we're not going to have any services at all, but we're going to be online live streaming our services. If you had told me there was one congregation in North Georgia that was doing that, I would have said, you're crazy. Nobody's going to do that. I mean, and even if they did, I mean, that's what kind of a crazy congregation is that. And we lived through this last year where every, just about, congregation did that. All across the spectrum, the most liberal congregations and the most conservative congregations made these changes throughout this year that not one of us saw coming. Jesus, or James said in James 4 and verse 13, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we, to go to, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. See, th- this verse always hits me because, because that's talking about me. I-, I love to make a plan, right? Right? I mean, you know, Jesus said, "If you're gonna if you're gonna build a tower, that before you build a tower, you sit down and you make a plan, right? You decide if you if you can complete that tower or not. Count the cost," he says. Right? I mean, I, I can I can go with Bible on the things that I like to do too, and but then Jesus or James says, "Okay, those of you who are saying today or tomorrow we're going to do this or that, he says you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor." It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Could you imagine that a year later, we would still be dealing with the repercussions so much that we wouldn't even host Yes Weekend? Can you imagine that we didn't even go to lads to leaders last year? The Forest Park Church of Christ didn't even go to lads to leaders last year. It's because they didn't have it, but even if they had it, we wouldn't have went. Come now, you who said that today or tomorrow we shall do this or we shall do, or, 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 or we shall do that. And, and I tend to think about this verse and I think, well, we tend to be presumptuous in planning the future. But that's not what James says. See, James ups the ante on us. He doesn't just say that when you're making your plans about next week and next month and next year, right? Leadership Sunday next week, Liza leaders in two weeks, right? Uh, You know, everybody got their calendar just about back set. Is it filling up like crazy? Mine is. All these plans. He's not just saying you're being presumptuous and doing that. He says you're being arrogant and evil. Not saying don't plan. He's saying don't forget to understand that the Lord's plan may not be your plan. And if the Lord's plan isn't your plan, that's not going to destroy you. That's not going to destroy you. That's why we should be concerned about our relationship with God today. Because we're not promised tomorrow. Secondly, secondly, I think we've learned how important gathering together is. Gathering together as a body, as the church... Once again, things that we know, but things that we've, been, that, that we've learned in, in a deeper way. I've heard people talk about uh, th- throughout this year how, how the church has left the building and, and they've learned that, that, that the church is the people and, and it's not the building. And, and there's, some, there's some truth in those things, but, but there's also some things that, that, that concern me in, in those statements that many times people seem to be downplaying the value of the church itself or of the congregation itself. Listen, the, the church of the New Testament is congregational by its very nature. And when we look at the New Testament, we see people that are coming together. I like I like the text we used this for our family worship last night in, in Acts chapter 4 when when Peter and John have been you know that they've been arrested and they've been that they've been beaten and threatened and don't, don't 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 you dare speak these things anymore and there's that classic line should we obey you or should, or, or should we obey God or should we obey man you be the judge and of course I'm not basically saying I'm not going to do what you say so they get beaten on that but but they finally get turned loose and and I love I love there in Acts chapter 4 the very first thing that they do Being let go, they went to their own companions. There's this picture of while they're over here struggling, the church isn't just going about its normal life, the church is together. The church is together, concerned about them, praying for them, lifting their voices to God together. The church is together, and they want to be with the church, they want to have that fellowship. Not to say, well, this is just about me and God. I understand that it's about me and God, but but it's about me and you and God. And that's the reason we spent a whole month talking about brotherhood and what it means to be a part of a brotherhood. You are my brother, you are my sister. To be able to praise God together. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. In those times when we couldn't be together, how sweet was it when we came together? John, amazing job leading us in our singing this morning, not because of you, but because we have been reflecting the glory of God. And we have that in common. And we've been praying. I mean, the, the, the Don's prayer this morning, just, just the, the, the passion that we come forward to come before God. You, you remember? You remember that first Zoom Bible class that, that that we had when everybody was trying to figure out, you know what? Your videos on camera. I mean, I'm not talking about that side of it. If I never have to diagnose computer problems over the phone again, Roger, we appreciate you. If I never have to do that again, it'll be too soon, right? But, but I just remember the feeling. I remember Miss Peggy Barr's picture popping up. Right? Hey, there's. I mean, people are just all excited about why. Because, we, because God's intent is for the church to be a body. May we never take that for granted. May we never take it for granted even as we sit in the same room with one another. Because in, in this body, in this gathering, there is power. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. There is power in being together it's one of the reasons that the hebrew writer tells us in hebrews 10 25 that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together why because when we come together we are to be encouraging or exhorting one another to what to good works to go out there and to live the christian life How many many people do we have right now? How many Bible studies do we have that are going on, which are wonderful in and of themselves, but it's encouraging and challenging to everybody else, right? That's the design of the church. I hope that we've learned that gathering together is very powerful. We've learned that, that the church adapts in order to thrive. We must adapt in order to thrive. I've been very proud of us as a congregation over this last year because we've never stopped. We've never stopped. Now, there have been a lot of things we haven't been able to do and a lot of things we've had to do differently and, and changes and adjustments that, that had to be made, but we have never stopped trying and pushing and trying to do everything that we could and doing things that we couldn't do in, 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 in a different way. I'm going to tell you that that's not been the case all over the world. That's not even the case with all of our brethren. And, 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 and that bothers me. And I think it's, it's revealed some of those negative things. And I think there are going to be long-term spiritual repercussions of those things. Not that you care what I think about that, but that is what I think. But we have continued to press forward. You know what? If we can't meet in person, we're, we're going to meet online. And we're not just going to put a video out there. Right? I mean, you're, you're, I mean to, to be here at 1030 on Sunday morning, I, I think we need that as, as this together. You know what? We, we can't see each other as normal. People have, have continued to, to pick up the phone. We couldn't have forever his like, well, we're going to have a, a, a drive through, right? Um, I, it took me a while to quit saying drive-by. I used to always call those things drive-by. It's drive through. Uh, you know, so where these children were going to come through. We're, we can't have wedding showers or baby. Oh, okay, so, so we're, we're going to do something to try and accomplish these things because there's power in that adaptation. It's not about changing the truth. This, and these things are important because of the truth. I thought about Acts chapter 4 when, when the church really got changed. and Everyone was so content there in Jerusalem and then persecution comes upon the church and the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7 and people are scattered all over, all over the world. And the text tells us in Acts 4, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the Word. And there, there, is, there is, to some degree, the spread of the church that only happened because trying times happened. But when the church adapted and the church changed, we have to be aware of that. There may be things that we cannot do, but what can we do? Next, I think we learned that there's meaning in what we do. There's meaning in what we do. I, I've heard a lot of comments from multiple people. A lot of this is online, but, but but talking about how they learned basically that a lot of things that we thought were important, and they're talking about the church, really aren't that important. And they talked about traditions and things like that. I've heard that from multiple sources, and I suppose that, that, that there may be some, some truth in that. Um, I, I kind of want to, and by the way, there are almost always very little specifics when people say things like that. They say it in a very broad way. That, that, that's my experience. But can I tell you that my experience has been just the opposite of that? That, that in the absence, I found, I found a focus upon the reason for why we do what we do. Are, are we just here today because, well, that's just what we always do? You know I mean? Is, we, we come together on Sunday because what else are you going to do on Sunday? Listen, I can tell you a lot of people come up with a lot of things that they do on Sunday besides be here, right? But but I've always come here. My, my, my parents have always come here. My grandparents have always come here. Is that really why we're here? If it is, you're not accomplishing much. I so said, we're here to worship God. This is the Lord's day. That's why, that's why our Bible classes have been so important, right? We, we, we have, do we just have Bible classes to have Bible classes? No, we have Bible classes because, because we're talking about the, the, the nurturing of faith. And you can talk about our young people down the hall and all the work that, that people have gone, have, have gone to to make sure that those classes happen. You can talk about just our Bible classes that all of our adults sit in. I'm not just having a Bible class to have Bible class. We're having Bible classes because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I still believe that's true. I still believe that's true. So that's why we do those things. You know, that, 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 I don't know, YouTube is a terrible place to go to church. You guys have heard me say that over and over. But, but, some, but some people have, have said, listen, th- this has been that thing where I, I've really learned about focusing in my worship. And I really liked being at home. And, I, you know, there weren't all, all these distractions. Okay, wonderful. But now we take those lessons and we bring them into this environment. We understand that worship is what happens here, Right. And so, so, we bring that into this congregational atmosphere. That that, that I'm going to I'm going to sing out. I'm going to I'm going to make that offering. I'm going to partake of a Lord's Supper. These, these, these little these little communion cups. I, I thought I had one in my pocket. In all my suits, I have old communion cups. Yeah, the uh, that's true this year. Uh, but I hate these things. I, I mean, that, if I don't ever have that little piece of styrofoam in my mouth again, I'm going to be okay, right? It's just bad. I will never complain about Lord's Supper that's being passed around again. But, so why are we doing it? Why, why, why would you eat that thing? I don't, I mean, it's, my wife said, she said, well, I'm pretty sure that it's unleavened, but I don't really know if it's bread, right? I mean, if we, we've, but it makes us go back and say, so why am I partaking of that? Taylor did a great job this morning, right? To think about that unleavened bread and that readiness, and that hastiness, and being ready for the Lord's coming. There's a reason for it. I'm not just having a snack. There's a reason for those things. I hope you've become more intentional. Listen, if you're going to sit there in your living room, and you don't have the world's greatest song leader, and it's just you and your family, and you're singing praises, you're going to understand this is intentional, Right? I'm not doing this for, for show. I'm doing this to praise God. Someone once said, we don't drift in good directions. We discipline and we prioritize ourselves there. You know, we've, we, we've, well, First Corinthians 11, that's what we're talking about, the Lord's Supper. We, we, we've learned that, I think it's uncovered some lies that we've believed This last year, it's not just others, it's all of us. I'll speak at least for myself on these things. Um, You know, all we really need is more time. Haven't we told ourselves that for years and years and years? Our problem is we just run out of time. And if I had more time, I would be a better student of the Bible, be more evangelistic be a better husband, be a better, I mean, you, you fill in the blanks, right? We tie, the, we tie time to our spiritual lives. And, and there was this moment about nine months in when I realized I had a whole lot extra time this year, and I didn't do any of those things. I didn't do any of them. Justin, you ready to read that book that I wrote this year? Yeah, well, you're going to have to wait. I didn't write it. Why not? Because it's not about time. We, we, we've got to stop lying to ourselves about that. It's, it's about priority. It's about what, what we choose to do with our lives and with the time that God has given us. We, we're always consistent. I, I, I would ask you to raise your hands, but I think everyone would, would raise your hands. How many of you have looked at someone in this last year and thought, you are being wildly inconsistent in the way that you are responding to these things. And yeah, I didn't, don't put your hand down. No, I'm asking you to raise your hand, right? We all put it up. We, we, we all struggle with consistency. P- things that people say, things that people do, and, and, and I don't understand everything that everybody does, and we need to have grace in, in understanding all of those things. But more than anything, it ought to be this reminder that I want to be more consistent. I don't just want to say something, but I want to live that. And I want to understand when I'm being inconsistent, even though that hurts. We, we, we've believed a lie that religious liberty is necessary for faith to thrive. I, I love religious liberty. I, I want to continue to have religious liberty. I think our religious liberty is being threatened in our nation and our current political system. We've talked about all of those things But in this last year where we've seen some pretty unique challenges to religious liberty, we have also seen some of the, not the least, but the greatest demonstrations of faith. Of people who will be humble and submissive, but they won't compromise in their faith. I'm just going to tell you that this last year, more than anything, has, has convinced me that I'm not, I'm not, hitching the viability of the christian faith to the to the to the laws of any one nation because that's a fool's errand and many have believed that i believe that i think it's a lie that we've told ourselves. unity takes work unity takes work I, I don't know everything about coronavirus and COVID, but, but I can tell you I know where this came from. It came from the devil himself. I don't, I don't say that just because of people that have gotten sick or even people that have died. But I say that because of, because of, of what it's done to churches. Of what it's done to churches in dividing churches and destroying Churches has been used in a way that, that quite possibly I've never seen anything in my lifetime that, is, that has had such a negative impact on individual congregations of God's people. There was an article um, in the Christian Chronicle uh, a couple weeks ago, and they were just it was interesting to me they were talking about these people that are leaving this church and they're going here, and these people are leaving here and they're going here, and, and just every, that's, the, that's the world that we're living in right now, over what? These things have been exposed. This weakness amongst ourselves has been exposed. We are some opinionated people. Are we not? And by we, I mean me, right? But I also mean you. We are some opinionated people. That's okay. I, I don't. I don't mind you having a strong opinion. But we're also Christian people. And so, so there's a way that we interact with one another. There's a way even that we come from different backgrounds. There in Ephesians 4, where Paul's going to give us those seven ones, right? The most divisive passage of Scripture, I think, in the entire New Testament. He said, there is only one. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. That's about as narrow as it gets. But I love what he says before that, when he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, besiege you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. I have to work at unity. We have to work at unity. That doesn't mean that we're bad people. It means that we're people. The problem becomes when we we say, I'm not going to have to work at this. We'll have unity by you doing everything I tell you or me doing everything that you... We'll never have unity that way. Unity, Paul says, is something you have to work at, even in the midst of the strictest doctrinal statement in the New Testament. Let me give you one more. It's been on my mind for the last 12 months or so. Something that this last year has revealed about us as a people, uh, in particular as, as, as God's people. We are really concerned about dying. We are really concerned about dying. About getting sick. I, by the way, I don't want to get sick, do you? I, I don't want to die, do you? I think that ought to be obvious, right? Hayden's like, no, I don't want to. Right? I, I got you. I'm right there with you, man. But, but sometimes in this last year, and you think about what some of our statements have been that have come out of our mouths, conversations that, that, that we have had when we have given the impression that the absolute worst thing that could happen is that we would die and i may understand where some people come from in saying that but that's not how christians ought to talk that's not how christians ought to talk Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 28, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Can I tell you, there's a lot of worse things can happen to you and your children and your grandchildren than dying? There are a lot of worse things than dying. Jesus said in John 11 and verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Watch this. Do you believe this? When I read that, it was like he was like, so, so, all right. Do you really believe that, Wes? Paul said in Philippians 1 and verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the kind of stuff Christians say. That doesn't mean don't wear a mask. Doesn't mean that. Doesn't mean don't quarantine, don't isolate. We've had COVID twice in my house over over this last year. Right? Doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't mean any of that. It means that even as we live in this life, listen, the worst thing is not dying. And we need to be really clear about that. We need to be really clear about the way we talk about these things to our children and to our families and even to ourselves. Paul said in Romans 14 and verse 8, if we live, if we live. You remember, he's writing in the context, not of a pandemic, he's writing in the context of, of people that actually might want to take their life. Right? Paul's a man who had people say, I will never eat again until I've made sure that that man is dead. So it's very real to him. So if we live, we live to the the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. I want more words like that to come out of my mouth. What do we learn about ourselves and about the church? I look forward to hearing some of the things, positive and negative, Right, If you're too much on either one of those, you're probably out of balance. I look forward to hearing some of those things from your, from your mouth and from, from your thoughts. But, but the truth is, church, friends, we don't know what tomorrow holds. And if we haven't learned that this year, I don't know what's going to teach that to us. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we are gathered here today We are gathered together as a people, even as the body of Christ today, and this matters. And this is valuable, and this is important. May our focus not be on the things of this world, but may our focus be firmly on His glory. May we be striving to to live lives that are going to bring glory to His name. You know, this last year is probably revealed a lot of things to us, about us, some good, some not so good. But as we look in the mirror, as we look in the mirror, the better question than what have we learned might be, so what's going to change us? Am I the same person that I was 12 months ago? I really hope not. I really hope not. And if I am, I need to commit myself to becoming a new man. Friends, if you're here today and you're outside the body of Christ, listen to me. There are some of you in this room this very morning who have never repented of your sins and been immersed for the remission of your sins. There may be 15 different reasons, 15 different stories. I don't know. Some of them may be compelling. Some may not be compelling. All I know is you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So we we better find out the answer. If sin is ruling your life, and maybe you're the only person that knows that sin has a grip on your life, but it's you and the Lord. Feel the urgency to walk with Him. Maybe, like most, you have just been overwhelmed in this last year. Overwhelmed by the worries and the anxieties of of this world. If you haven't, I I wonder if if you have realized what's going on, But if you've tried to bear those things on your own, you have been overcome. And Jesus says, bring your burdens to me. Cast them upon me so that you might have a peace that passes understanding. May we walk together. May we walk with the Lord as we go forward. As we go forward as his church. Friends, if you have a need this morning, you come as we stand and as we sing.